Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. All right, let's make this the best version of the best 60 minutes of your day of the week. Here's a look at our top stories. We call it our six at six. And speaking of six, we start with bad news for Dallas and good news for the Cowboys. Next six opponents. A federal appeals court has lifted the injunction on Ezekiel Elliott's six-game suspension over domestic violence allegations, throwing his status back into limbo. The fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans granted the league's emergency request to set aside the injunction and ordered the district court in Texas to dismiss Elliott's case. The three-judge panel voted 2-1 to one to back the NFL's argument. The Cowboys don't play this weekend. Elliott and the NFLPA, though, may take the decision back to court. And for the legal take, we turn to our Ryan Smith. Uh, Ryan, what did you think of the court's decision? Well, I can't say I was surprised, Michael. You know, it was, it was one of those things where... Elliot had a chance because the courts don't necessarily reverse the lower court judge that often there in the Fifth Circuit, that particular judge. But it was always a bit of a long shot for Ezekiel Elliott because here's what the court decided. They basically said that the NFLPA filed this thing too soon. They filed this case in Texas before Harold Henderson made his ruling on Ezekiel Elliott's appeal. Their reasoning was, well, he already ruled against us on the particular evidentiary things we need, so we knew we weren't going to get the decision we needed, so we went ahead and filed. But the way the courts work, they need that process completed. You have to exhaust your remedies under the collective bargaining agreement before you can come into the court. So that's what this court decided, and they basically now send it back to the district court and say, you have instructions to dismiss the case. Okay, Ryan, uh, a source tells Adam Schefter, whom we'll hear from in a minute, that Elliott's lawyers have the option of still refiling in Dallas or fighting the suspension in New York, a decision they are discussing now. How would you advise his attorneys? Yeah, they have a couple things going. They can do either. I think you now have to switch the battleground to New York and do the same thing, essentially, that they did in Texas. You go and you say, I want a preliminary injunction, temporary restraining order. I want to keep Ezekiel Elliott on the field. Same issues and see where you get with it. They also have a chance. When you look at it, they could possibly ask the entire Fifth Circuit to rehear this case. That's unlikely that they'll get that. But I think at this point, you got to shift the battleground to New York and you got to try to fight the fight there and do whatever you can to keep him on the field. All right, Ryan, we appreciate it. Now, the Cowboys, of course, on a bye this week. The preliminary injunction granted them five games of Elliott. Didn't take full advantage. Went only two and three. The NFL's rushing leader last year is fourth this year with 393 yards. Their next six opponents. Let's see. Look at the schedule. There we go. San Francisco, Washington, Kansas City, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and the Chargers. Zeke will be eligible to return in week 13 against Washington. We turn now to Adam Schefter. So, Adam, what's next in the Elliott case? Well, Michael, as a practical matter, Zeke Elliott's suspension begins right now. But the Cowboys, as you mentioned, are on a bye week. So the fact that they're on the bye week affords his legal team time to now mull through the options to decide what they want to do next. And New York seems to be the most likely scenario that they would refile this case in the Southern District Court in New York to see if they could get the suspension lifted again so that Zeke Elliott could play. The legal team is going over those options as we speak, and next week there is expected to be, as it was described to me, a flurry of legal activity. So clearly he is not ready to give up the fight. He continues to want to see if he could get this six-game suspension 
put away, turned away for the time being, and we will see what he decides to come up with. But interesting timing in that the Cowboys had to buy right now because if they had a game this weekend, the suspension could kick in right away. Now, uh, is this the development, Adam, that you expected? What's, uh, were you surprised at all by this? Or, and what's been the reaction from your sources around the league to this decision? I think, look, everybody right now is waiting to see what Zeke Elliott does next. I think a lot of people thought that he would get to play this season. I think that comes as something of a surprise, maybe, that the court decided what it did. But I can tell you this, the people in Philadelphia, in Washington, they're very pleased by this decision. People in Dallas, not so much. The league office, also very pleased. The people in Dallas are the only ones right now that don't like this. But the Cowboys also are 2-3. and three. The season has not gone the way they want. The vibe in the locker room right now over Jerry Jones' comments is not good. Mm-hmm. This team is dealing through a lot of issues right now, Michael. Zeke Elliott is the latest amongst them, and we'll see what he decides to do next week. Yeah, the Eagles looking to go 5-1 and one against the Panthers. The game we'll preview momentarily. Adam, stand by. we got a much more serious issue to discuss. Horrific California wildfires strengthened by fierce winds and nearly absent humidity has claimed nearly 30 lives, has left hundreds missing, damaged thousands of homes, businesses, and other buildings, and destroyed thousands of acres of land. The NFL is looking at contingencies for the Raiders game Sunday against the Chargers if air quality from the fires in Northern California remain at unacceptable levels. That's what a league source tells Adam Schefter. A decision is, is expected soon. Now, the Raiders shortened practice, Adam, as you know, both Wednesday and Thursday due to the lack of air quality. And the San Diego mayor is receptive to having the Oakland Raiders and the Los Angeles Chargers play this Sunday's game in Mission Valley if the Oakland Coliseum becomes unavailable due to the wildfires. So how likely is it that the Chargers would have to play a game in San Diego this Sunday? Well, listen, I got a call this afternoon from somebody out in the Oakland area that said there's no way that they could play a game out here, that it's horrible, that the players are wearing masks at practice today, that it's going to be very difficult and unimaginable to be able to play a football game in Oakland on Sunday. In talking to the league, the league says it has been going over contingencies, trying to figure out one of the contingencies that's been discussed, Michael, one that I think is more likely than San Diego, is going to play this game in Santa Clara at Levi Stadium. The 49ers are now en route to Washington, D.C. to play the Washington Redskins there this weekend. The stadium for the 49ers is vacant and open for this weekend and could be put to use if the league decides it needs to switch that game. There's a chance that the Chargers would have to move their hotel out of Oakland. The league is trying to sift through this right now, but as it was explained to me, there's ashes raining out of the sky in Northern California. The players are wearing masks. And again, the people out there find it hard to imagine that the league is going to be able to play a football game in Oakland on Sunday, though the league continues to see if it'll be possible. All right, Adam, thanks for the latest. We appreciate it. Uh, It is Thursday, but it should be a good one tonight. Two of the NFC's best teams, two 4-1 teams. Might be the best game of the week, actually. The Eagles and Panthers, they rank first and second, respectively, in time of possession margin this season. Also rank first and second, respectively, in third down conversion percentage on offense. Look, I just want to see what the Eagles have in store for an encore end zone celebration. It definitely hit that one out of the park. So Wentz and the boys, though, they'll have their work cut out for them against the league's third-ranked defense in Carolina. Meanwhile, Cam Newton looks back, coming off back-to-back 300-yard passing games. Sal Powell joins me now. Sal, what's been going on behind the scenes to drive this resurgence from Cam Newton? Well, I had an interesting conversation last night with Ron Rivera, the head coach of the Panthers. He called me in his car on his way to the team hotel, and we talked a lot about Cam Newton and what he has gone through. And he said to me, listen, what the guy's gone through in the last two years 
has really been affecting him on the football field. You know, losing the Super Bowl, then the shoulder injury, then the shoulder surgery. And he said to me, you know, he didn't have a normal preseason. We didn't have a normal preseason or training camp because Cam Newton couldn't really throw the ball the way he wanted to. His shoulder wasn't fully healed. But now that he can practice, now that he can throw the ball the way he wants to during the week, his timing is coming back. His rhythm is coming back. So that has helped him during the week get ready for football games. And it's showed in the last couple of weeks, Michael. The other thing, too, is if you look at what they have done, they have constricted the passing game. The addition of Christian McCaffrey, who has 27 catches more than any other rookie in the league at any position, that has allowed Cam Newton to get that completion percentage up. He's at 68% completion rate, the best rate he's ever had in his career. And, Michael, get this on first down, completing 75% of your passes on first down, better than Brady, better than Matt Ryan, wow. number one in the league. It, 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 Michael, if you complete three-quarters of your passes on the first down, you're going to move the chains and be them. in second and short and third and short and stay ahead of the, stay ahead of the chains, Michael. We like to stay ahead of the chains <laughs> on Sports Center. Baby. No, thanks for making us Come smarter. On. And they're doing this without Greg Olson. And, and to your point about all the things he's had to deal with lately, some yep. of his own doing. This time last week, we were discussing his comments in a press conference. Now we're discussing all the talk being that Cam uh, is back to his MVP form. We will talk to you later, Sam, for the Eagles' perspective on this clash of NFC Titans. Meanwhile, good luck, Nationals. All of D.C. sports fans are counting on you. The city's four major pro sports teams have played 68 combined seasons. That's over 19 years without reaching a conference or league final. That's the most of any city. Capitals were the last D.C. team to reach a final back in 1998. So the Nationals looking to finally get it done in the division series with another date with the Dodgers awaiting in the NLCS. They're trying to win their first playoff series in four attempts since moving in 2005. To Washington, D.C. The Nats not only looking to turn the corner tonight, but turn the tables and cap off another comeback, or comeback of their own, excuse me. They turn to Gio Gonzalez instead of Tanner Roark. The Cubs, going with Kyle Hendricks on an extra day of rest. We go to Pedro Gomez. Uh, Pedro, what's the, the mood among the Nationals trying not to have history repeat itself in the NLDS? You know, it's really the way that they take it on from their manager. Now, Dusty Baker, I asked him that very question just a little while ago, and he said, you know what? These guys weren't here for the most part for the last six years during which this stretch began because, like you said, it's the fourth time that the Nationals are in the postseason, all of them within the last six years, and he's trying to push it off like it's not their fault. They weren't here. And if you remember a year ago, Joe Madden with the Cubs was the complete opposite. It was 108 years since the Cubs won, and from day one of spring training, he said, embrace it. Embrace the fact that we haven't won in 108 years. Let's try to eliminate that. And sure enough, the Cubs were able to do it. So at this point, it's, it's however you want to dissect it. The Nationals know that they have not won a postseason series since they've been here in D.C. So it's, it's all on them. They have the opportunity here at home. But they know the D.C. curse is looming, Michael. Well, it's not all on Gio Gonzalez. Max Scherzer is available out of the pen, although he would be pitching on two days uh, rest after throwing 98 pitches in game three. So the Cubs, they've only scored eight runs in the four games so far this series. I guess it helps to have a guy with a 1.98 e postseason ERA in Kyle Hendricks, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, the Dartmouth kid, hey, look, he has pitched two game-clinching series, games, victories, in the last year, and he beat the Dodgers in Game 6 
of the NLD, uh, the NLCS, I'm sorry, Michael, a year ago, and he was the starting pitcher in Game 7 of the World Series against Cleveland. Did not get the decision, but the Cubs won that game. So when he's on the mound for these series-clinching games, the Cubs have won those games. That's what the Cubs are counting on once again. Look, he doesn't throw very hard. He's a guy that throws about 88, 89 miles an hour on his fastball, but his changeup works so well with his fastball that his fastball actually plays up and feels like it's more like 93, 94. That's what scouts have told me. That's what opposing hitters have told me about Kyle Hendricks. That's why he is so effective, even though he only throws about 89 miles an hour. And one other quick note, Dusty Baker said, we don't tend to do well against guys who throw below the speed limit, so to speak. Kyle Hendricks definitely is one of those guys that throws below the speed limit. There's enough bad going on in D.C. without another major sports disappointment. So nothing against the Cubs trying to build that dynasty, but Pedro Gomez on the scene hoping that uh, they end the D.C. major sports curse when it comes to conference and league finals. All right, injunction lifted, and Ezekiel Elliott's six-game suspension begins immediately. Eligible to return November 24th, the day after the Chargers game. Cannot be at the team's facility immediately. Todd Archer joins us now. So, Todd, assuming he does miss these next six games, uh, how do you expect the Cowboys to adjust? Do they lean more on Alfred Morris? Do they ask Dak Prescott to shoulder more of the offensive load? Yeah, Michael, as far as the running game goes, this will go from a one-man band to a committee. You mentioned Alfred Morris. There's also Rod Smith and Darren McFadden. And the interesting thing to note here about the Cowboys and their running game in 2000 with Scott Linehan as an offensive coordinator in 2014, DeMarco Murray got almost all of the carries. In 2015, McFadden got almost all of the carries. And obviously last year, Elliott got almost all of the carries. And this year, 105 of the Cowboys' 115 carries by running backs, all by Elliott. Mm. So now the Cowboys will rely on Alfred Morris. 3,000-yard seasons, eight carries this year, one 70-yard gain. McFadden's been inactive every game. Rod Smith has four more carries than we do for his career, Mike. So the Cowboys now going into a situation where they go from knowing what they have in their backfield with Elliott to really not knowing what they have with this committee and hoping that Morris and McFadden can get back to the forms that had led them to a 1,000-yard seasons in their past. All right, Todd Archer, we appreciate it. Now the Cowboys, again, off this week, but they come off of their bye week with back-to-back road tilts against the Niners and Washington. Then they have the Chiefs, then they're at the Falcons, then the what for now 4-1 Eagles, and then they get the Chargers before Elliott is eligible to return. Darren Woodson's here. Um, <laughs> Week 8 through 11? That's just... That's brutal now. And they've they gone 2-3 and three with him. They didn't exactly take advantage of having him so far. So I wonder, though, is, is this really on Dak? I mean, Alfred Morris certainly capable, yeah. not Ezekiel Elliott, otherwise he'd be carrying it more. Is Dak up to the challenge in, in year two and the maturation that he's shown to maybe pick up this offensive slack? And I think Zach, uh, Dak is up to the challenge because if you look at his, the games uh, over the last few weeks, yeah. what have they been doing? They've been trying to load the box, stop Zeke Elliott. They, the whole time to stop Ezekiel Elliott, take him out of the game, and force Dak to beat you. And it's been no secret. Defensive coordinators around the league have said the same thing. We're going to find a way to stop your number one threat, which has been Ezekiel Elliott, and force Dak to throw the ball down the field. The, you, even, you have to even put more pressure on Dak now because teams are not going to load the box now. They're figuring, hey, if you want to run the football out there, go ahead and do so. But now, you're not only are you going to be throwing into more pass defenders, yeah. but we're going to force you to throw the ball outside the numbers. So I still think you look at this situation, I think Dak has gotten better. 30 points in the last two games. Yep. They're doing their job, but it's up to Dak and it's up to this offense to keep that defense off the football field. Right, and keep them honest when it comes to the running game, but they're Look, 
their running game hasn't been as dominant as it was last right. year. It's changes up front. So, so what are you seeing in terms of the performance of the offensive line? Uh, you know, can they have a, 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 a functional running game or effective running absolutely. game without the, the runner matters as Jason Garrett likes to say. Yeah, absolutely. But I you know the Cowboys aren't the only team that you looked into the season. You came into the season thinking, well, their offensive line is their strength. The Pittsburgh Steelers team, the offensive line was strength. They hadn't played as well that well as, as well. I look at this football team and you say, this team is is as as good as or best equipped for the situation that they're in right now. You have two veteran running backs in Darren McFadden yep. and Alfred Morris. You have a young kid in Rod Smith who's going to be a good right. football Can't player. Can catch the ball, Catch the ball at the same time. I, this team is equipped to move on even without Zeke Hillett. Now, the, the problem they're going to have is their identity mm-hmm. is in that running game, and Zeke brings a physical men- mentality to that running game. He breaks tackle. He can't arm tackle this guy. He's going to run like a monster. They're not going to have that identity moving forward. Funny. This morning, uh, the biggest conversation around the Cowboys was meetings about yeah. the national anthem. Yeah, things change, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Least of their concerns right yeah. now. We appreciate it, man. The Yankees' official Twitter account brought the receipts, Jose Ramirez. Reno at Yankee Stadium this year, Cupcake. We like cupcakes and champagne. They certainly do. Then they uh, let all the doubters know about this baby bombers team that was supposed to be 500, that was rebuilding. Certainly no way they would come overcome a 2-0 deficit. We're still here, say the Yankees. David Ross and Mark Teixeira are here with me now. Uh, Mark, let's start with you, Matt. I mean, it, it feels like yesterday when, like, Joe Girardi has sealed his fate <laughs> with that infamous, you know, non-challenge of the, of the hit by pitch. Now you got people like Todd Frazier saying, we're winning this for Joe. I was listening to Tim Kirchner this morning. He said that no matter what they did in the rest of the postseason, he wasn't sure that Joe Girardi is coming back. What do you think? Should his job be safe after this, this comeback? Yeah, you know, I think what Todd Frazier said was, we won this for Joe because we're picking up our teammate. I don't think anybody plays for somebody else, like one person. You, you play as a team, and mm-hmm. I think Rossi would tell you the same thing. When you try to win a World Series, it's for the entire team. It's for the city of New York. It's right. for Yankee fans all over the place. But what Todd Frazier was saying was, we picked up our teammate, Joe Girardi. Mm-hmm. So... Just like if, if the Red Sox would have won after that ball went under Bill Buckner's legs in 86, yeah. they'd have said, hey, man, that was for Bill because gotcha. we don't want Bill to have to wear this this loss. Yeah. They were trying to pick up their teammate in Joe Girardi. Right. So, this- so, so I think Joe Girardi, whether they win the World Series or whether they lost yesterday. Evaluate him for what he, he is. Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. Let's not make rash decisions. Mm-hmm. Let's not say, hey, it was a big mistake. It was a ball underneath your legs, right? But – Let's not evaluate his last 10 years over one play. Gotcha. Ross, what do you think? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Tex. Yeah, there's so much, uh, like, one little mistake, fire this guy, fire that guy. Nobody's allowed to make a mistake anymore. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that they picked Joe up. I yeah. mean, it, it shows a lot about the character of that group and, and not folding under those situations. That's why we like, we talked about win, the Yankees winning that game last night, just because you can see some character uh, some, some character uh, traits in there that, that are very positive. So on the flip side, you got an Indians team considered to be the best in baseball for you know, the second half and certainly down the stretch coming into the postseason. And now home they go again, you know, having, having blown another series lead. If you're an Indians fan, David, how, do you, how should you view this season? 
I guess, you know, I can answer yeah. my own question. I know well, how they view it. Well, yeah, tell, yeah, them why, yeah. tell them why not to view it as a as failure, a failure and yeah. another extension of the curse. Well, you got a lot of guys coming back. you got two MVP candidates coming back. The Cy Young Award winner probably coming back. Um, you know, they got to re- I, 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 hopefully they bring Santana back. He's a free agent. They got some pieces. Uh, it's an organization that's on the rise. They've done a lot of things. Great in the manager. Face. Great manager. Yeah. There's so many positive, great bullpen that's still going to be intact. They've done so many positives in that, within that organization that it, it's, it is a tough loss. I, there's, no way to, there's no way to sugarcoat that. But it's, it's, it, they're, they're creating an a organization that's set to go to the playoffs every year. That's a tough sell, though. It is. For, like, no, it the, is. They're saying I, we were 102-win team this year. They're by far the best team going into the playoffs, by so, far. So what's that like? I mean, obviously you never played in Cleveland or experienced anything like that, but when you have a team that good, and, and that loaded and leading against a young team and you blow it like that. What's that like? Yeah, you almost feel like, For are a we, player, how do they get are, over this? Yeah, Coming are off we last ever, year. Exactly. Yeah. Are we ever going to win? Because we had a 3-1 lead last year. We had a 2-0 lead this year with a team that won 22 games straight not long ago. And I just think that the Indians, you saw game two, the chinks in the armor. And Carnacion goes down with the injury. A huge loss. And then... You know, Kluber was not right. That, that's the Kluber tough thing. Was when not your guy right. is on the hill and you lose. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think to, to Rossi's point, we had a guy get hurt. Our number four hitter got hurt, and our ace starting pitcher, right. he wasn't right. He is back. Something's going on with okay. him. So it is a all hands on deck next year. All the chips are on the table next year because that window eventually will close. The hard part is the offseason when you're training, finding that fire. You lose in game seven, a tough loss last year. Mm-hmm. Then this year, that sting, it's yeah. like, how do you push yourself in the offseason to get yeah. ready? And come spring training, what's the message Terry Francona is going to send to that team to get them back to where they need to be? Yeah, you call up the Warriors or the Falcons somebody. or somebody. Oh. Yeah. Um, so tonight, game five, Cubs, Nats. Nats trying to end the D.C. professional sports curse, Gio Gonzalez, Kyle Hendricks. Uh, who, got, who has the advantage tonight? I think Kyle Hendricks going in. He, he, he's, he's got a, his ERA in the playoffs. He's been in this situation. He's a Game 7 starter. He was Game 1 starter. He dealt the last time out. He's got ice in his veins. Nothing's going to phase him. I got him a cubby blue today just, just to <laughs> oh, support those. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. Say I'm wrong. A little red here in the yeah. middle. But, no, I really think it, it's, a, it's a whoever makes the least amount of mistakes. We've talked a lot in this playoff series. Cubs defense, yeah. Cubs defense. Yeah. Whoever makes the least amount of mistakes is going to win this game tonight. I agree. I mean, I think that the matchup, the starting pitching matchup, favors the Cubs. Yep. And just like we talk about the Indians, all the heartbreak, the Nationals have to figure out a way to break through. I mean, they've had some really good teams since 2012. They have yet to break through and make it past the division series. Oh, so, we know it. Dusty Baker needs this. Well, yeah, Dusty needs this. The city of, of Washington needs this. You know, I think it's going to be a very good game. I think it's going to be a, a, a close game. But, you know, the Cubs just you know, have a better team right now. The way that they're playing, the way that they're pitching, um, we'll see. A date with the Dodgers awaits. That's the NLCS. As far as the ALCS, we'll see if the Yankees have something for the Astros. We do have the Yankees rotation. Tanaka game one, Severino game two, CC game three, Sonny Gray game four. Mark Teixeira, David Ross, appreciate you guys. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Mike. That man, Julius Peppers, looking to take advantage, but let me not so fast, of the Eagles' absence at right tackle. Lane Johnson already ruled out with a concussion, but his replacement, certainly no slouch. He showed that in the second half against the Cardinals. We'll get to that in just a second. 4-1 Panthers playing host to the 4-1 Eagles, not arriving the aforementioned Lane Johnson out with a concussion. Sal, I'll ask you about that impact in a second, but I want to start with the latest on Fletcher Cox. Missed the last two games with a calf sprain, uh, was pushing to play in this game. What's the latest on his availability tonight? Well, he just walked out onto the field a few seconds ago. We got a shot of it. Hopefully we can show it to everybody. 
He looked like he was walking okay, but I haven't yet to see him run. Nobody has seen him run outside of the team. The media has been close to that portion of practice. He did practice fully on Tuesday. I just talked to Doug Peterson on the field. He said he wasn't sure, Michael, if he was going to play. We got literally 25 minutes until the injury report comes out. I'm going to go to the referee's office, stay there. As soon as I have it, I promise to get it to you, brother. All right, we appreciate it. Halapolavati Vatai. Did I nail that? Did I get that right? Close enough? Knocked it out of the park. Okay. Perfect. So he steps in for Lane Johnson at right tackle. In the first half against the Cardinals, Eagles averaged 6-3 per play. Carson Wentz was sacked once. Running backs averaged 4.4 carry. In the second half against the Cardinals, the Eagles averaged 6.8 yards per play. Carson Wentz wasn't sacked, and running backs averaged 4.4 yards per carry. They have a lot of faith in this second-year tackle, right? Well, listen, that was against the Cardinals. This is a totally different defense. I, I, know, I know you study film. I know you look at it, and you know that Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron, who came out of the 85 Bears, he's going to bring it. He is going to bring it, and he's going to bring zone blitzes. He's going to blitz from aspects of the field that Carson Wentz hasn't seen before. And they are going to test Big V. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name <laughs> here live on television for you. But you did a great job for me. But uh, they're going to test Big V at right tackle. Yep. And Doug Peterson told me, bottom line is, we're going to help the young man in this game because we know who we're going up against. They're going to use a tight end. They're going to use a back to chip. They are going to make sure they are aware of what's happening at the right side of Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz is the franchise quarterback and how he goes is how this football team is going to go. And uh, I just talked to Peterson literally two seconds ago before I came out on the air with you and I said, what's the number one thing you told this team going into this game? And he said, I want you to bring the energy. He said, we are going to have to supply the energy, particularly on offense. Well, if the Eagles bring the energy like you brought to this segment, They'll be 5-1 and one after the night. So the Panthers <laughs> got their work cut out for them. South Powell, we appreciate it. Keys to Success is brought to you by Those That Live Like a Pro, GMC. All right, Teddy Bruce, let's talk about Fletcher Cox. Yes. A defensive tackle, which you were once upon a time when you were man in the desert swarm at Arizona. Long time yeah, ago. Long time yeah, ago. in college. All right, so, so against a team like Carolina in particular, their, their offensive scheme, what difference does a, a, a great player like Fletcher Cox, would he make in a game like this if he's not able to play or either play but be limited? No, this is a, this is a physical running offense in the Carolina Panthers, and they bring you a lot of smoke and mirrors in terms of motion in. Christian McCaffrey going that way, Cam going this way, but quarterback power, quarterback direct run. If anything, it's a big man in the middle that's going to have to tackle another big man in the middle at times, which is Cam Newton. And that's his direct effect on him battling those offensive linemen. But in terms of a linebacker, having that freedom to run from sideline to sideline, to have that defensive tackle in front of you, it's vital because – you ever had a drink spilled on your lap, mm-hmm. all right? If you don't have your defensive lineman in front of you, that's what it feels like as a linebacker. That surprise that, <laughs> oh, my gosh, an offensive uh, lineman's on your lap because yeah. the, the backup comes in and right. they're not doing as good a job as right. Big Cox comes in there right. and he's holding one, two guys, and you go ahead and flow. I yeah. know this. I yeah. know this. If you don't, 
spill drink on your lap. That's what it's like. I like that. Well, to your point, with him on the field this season, that's 100 snaps. Eagles have allowed 4.8 yards per play. With him off the field, again, missed the last two games of that calf injury, they've allowed 6.6 yards per play. Yeah, I don't want to put him – I don't want to put him in – I mean, Aaron Donald is special. Yeah. But Fletcher Cox – I, I mean, was about to say, do yeah, people really know how good he is? I don't think so. Aaron Donald's starting to be – everyone's starting to recognize the down-and-down down, uh, dominance that he has. But Fletcher Cox does have that ability also and impact. Yeah, we're talking about two teams that possess the ball. Uh, at the top of the league and certainly convert, obviously, third downs with the top of the league. So, yeah. key player, game time decision. We will find out momentarily whether the Eagles have Fletcher Cox already without Lane Johnson. All right. Let's build that drink on your lap. Yeah, I like that analogy. I try to stay away from drinks altogether. <laughs> the Godfather once made him an offer he couldn't refuse, and he refused it. He can lead a horse to water and teach it the backstroke. His hair actually is the best thing since sliced bread. He writes all of Steve Levy's jokes. He is the most interesting analyst in the world. I don't always talk hockey, but when I do, it's on SportsCenter. That <laughs> never gets old, man. I believe that the Godfather made you an offer you would refuse it. You would. Who could he offer somebody like Butch you? Butch is a magnificent writer. That was no doubt about it. Hour 12 of what we're calling the Melrose Marathon. Some people think 45-year-old Yarmir Yager playing his 24th season is tough. He should try doing this, right? Exactly. He'd be sleeping right now having a nap for the second part of the game, and I just can't do that. i got to work all the way through. No naps, no nothing. Just get ready. So, I don't know, resting up for this, did you watch uh, Devil's Leafs uh, I, I watch the Devils all the time, man. They're must-see TV now, so, believe it Exactly. Not. We'll get to them in a second, though. But you saw this play, right? Matt Martin and Adam Henrique well, Matt, tied up. Matt Martin's job is to create some excitement in that building because there wasn't any. The Leafs were flat. They had nothing going, so Martin goes out there. Henrique's not a fighter, and, he, and he'd be crazy to fight Matt Martin, who's one of the toughest guys in the NHL. But at so. what point does this get a little awkward? It stays tied up for a well, while. No, man. because Henrique wasn't going to let him go. He's not a dummy, man. He was staying tight. All right, so as you know, four games into the season, Alex Ovechkin has eight goals. He had a career-high 65 and 112 points, his 30 in the league. I ain't saying he's hitting 60, but I'm going to ask you this. Take it or leave it, Barry. Ovechkin will win the scoring title. I'm, I'm leaving it. I think there's too many great players out there. You've got Kucherov and Stamkos in Tampa. Those guys could easily reach a 50 mark. You've got uh, Tarasenko in St. Louis. He could easily reach a 50 mark. There's too many good young players. Obi's going to have a good year, but he's not going to do that. Sit in the school, you know, something. That's right? cool, I, I, I know, I know you got, you got to be taught a few things about this game here, but I understand that no player age 32 or older has led the NHL in scoring since Phil Esposito. Young man's league. But... He's led the league in scoring for the last five seasons here, and I think he kind of reinvented himself. He realizes that the only thing that matters with him is the postseason, yep. but in order to perform in the postseason, you got to play that much better going into it, right? I, ho- I hope you're right, man. I would love to come and see them uh, in the Stanley Cup final. Well, the two-time Stanley Cup champ, Pittsburgh Penguins, they're playing your pick to win the Cup tonight, the Tampa Bay Lightning. All right, so take it or leave it. These are the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. I'm taking that one. Uh, these are the two best teams in the East Conference. Tampa Bay might be the only team that can beat the mighty Pittsburgh Penguins. You've got Stamkos, you've got Kucherov, you've got Hedman, you've got Johnson, you've got Kalorn, you've got Palat, you've got Callahan. All these guys have playoff experience. All these guys know what to do. It's a veteran lineup. It's a winning lineup. They're, they're going to be the team that does it. I don't know, B. I, what, about, I leave. To what about my Maple Leafs, man? Maple what about Leafs? my man Austin you going north Matthews? Of the border? What about my man Austin Matthews? I, they I got love 20 them. Cats that have skated a shift so yet. far. They're not ready yet. They're not ready point. yet. They're knocking you on the door. You heard it here first. I love you heard it here first. I love to go to Canada for the Stanley Cup. I told you I'm the Black Bear Melrose. Let's go. One more for you. The Devils. You are good luck to guys. There's no doubt about that. The Devils improved to 3-0 last night, including a rare 3-on-5 shorthanded goal. 
Jersey's got 16 goals this season. That's one shy of the team's most through the first three games of the season since 91-92. So take it or leave it. That's the league's most exciting team right there in New Jersey. Day. I'm taking it, and I can't believe I'm saying this because for 20 years they were the worst team to watch in the NHL. They've added young guys. They got the first pick uh, in last year's draft T-shirt. They've got Brat, who's having an unbelievable start this season. Uh, you've got uh, a bunch of young defensemen that join the rush. They're very tough to play against. They're small. They're quick. They're strong. They're fast. They use their speed for offense, and they use their speed for defense. Coming back, picking up loose pucks. This is an excellent hockey club, and the way they score and the way they skate, most of the fun to watch in the NHL. I respect your opinion, sir. What about Chicago? I love Chicago. I know you love the sweater. It's time for, it's time for me to branch out, and i got to give the devil his due. i got to give the devil his due. They might score their opponent 21-7. Three players telling at least six points over their first four games. Come on, man. No, Chicago's on. great. Chicago's great. But and I don't think Patrick Kane right has even got going yet. He did. He got, did got going for one game, that 10 spot they put up on Pittsburgh. Oh, that one. But other than that. Everybody got going. Yeah, well, exactly. Everybody got something. But you so got to branch go. out. You can't pick the Chicago's and Pittsburgh's every year. Hey, you're right about that. That's Cam Newton. It should be news when they don't arrive, but just in case you were curious, he's actually at the game. 4-1 Panthers, 4-1 Eagles. He does have to deal with Fletcher Cox, who's a game-time decision. That decision has been made, has missed the last two games with a calf injury. He is active for tonight's tilt between two of the top teams in the NFC. Alliteration for the win. Now, a day after the NCAA announced it was forming a commission to study the inner workings of college basketball, the Pac-12 announced a task force today to look at systemic problems in the sport. Of course, two Pac-12 assistant coaches were among 10 people arrested last month in the FBI investigation into corruption in recruiting. Here's Coach Cal. If the NBA is worried about the NBA, if the NCAA is worried about the NCAA, if each individual institution is just worried about themselves, and the last thing we think about are these kids. We're going to make wrong decisions. There are a lot of players of different levels, of different abilities. Let's be fair with them. And how we're being fair, I'll, I'll leave that up to the powers that be. There's a decent chance, Cal, that next week Rick Pitino won't be the coach at Louisville. Will you miss the rivalry in coaching against him? Look, it's unfortunate, all the stuff that's come down, um, but – Let's talk about my team, please. Does anybody, anyone here have a question about my team? Please. Uh, John, one more question about the FBI. (laughs) These guys are all out of college, but we still got a yearbook over on ESPN.com. That's the NBA class of 2018. You see Boogie, Steven Adams. I'm sure Cal likes that smile. This is my favorite, Michael Beasley, because of the uh, the caption, most likely to be gorgeous. I'm watching the Knicks just for Beasley this year. Speaking of the Knicks, there's Chris Stapps. I think Carmelo. Did he rock the hoodie? You, have to, you gotta rock the hoodie. It's a missed opportunity if you don't rock the hoodie. There we go. And last, but certainly not least, the process. Don't jump on my Sixers bandwagon now. Did you see Joel Embiid last night dropping 22 in under 15 minutes? in his preseason debut against the Nets. Unleashed the full arsenal. He unleashed the fury. Look at a step back. You've been hanging out with Dirk, haven't you? He threw an alley to Ben Simmons. I don't know if he's showing that. Had a, like a, a half-court three that didn't count. He said, you can't guard me. I read, I'm reading your lips. You can't guard me. They can't guard you. Just stay healthy. Kyrie Irving. Of course, going back to Cleveland for the season opener. Great game last night. I think he had 10 dimes. He said it is a vast difference between Boston and Cleveland as a city, calling it Boston a real live sports city. Look, I spent a lot of time in Boston. Love Boston. No place like it. But you ain't got to shade Cleveland like that. I mean, come on. But 
facts. Michael Jordan, he's on the cover of Cigar Aficionado. Says he smokes six cigars a day. I'm not name dropping. I've been around MJ. I don't know if, I think he's being generous with six. Also says super teams are not good. Got a couple of great teams and 28 garbage teams. What about yours? <laughs> he taught me a game called Buffalo too. Hey, Diddy wants to buy into the NFL, but if he can't, wants to start his own league where you can be yourself, have a retirement plan, have freedom to be a great human and protest for your people without being demonized for your beliefs. I'm in. The sun don't shine forever, but as long as it's here, we might as well shine together. Better now than never. Holler at us, Diddy. We'll do it. That's it for the six. More sports than us next. We'll see you.